And so I actually ended up dropping out of high school, not once, but twice. I never graduated. And while all my friends were off to college, I was living with my parents, gaming up to 16 hours a day in their basement. I remember I was, I was drunk when they handed me my son in the hospital. They didn't know I was drunk. I worked with people who could stay abstinent from crack cocaine. And then they went back to prison because they could not stay abstinent from marijuana. They will send inappropriate pictures, primarily of their body parts. Our teens will send back their naked pictures or partially naked pictures. I had overdosed in eighth grade. I think that was shortly after I was suspended. Our teens are going through their hardest life transition in a world of rapid change and information anarchy. These are their stories and the advice from experts dedicated to helping them. Welcome to Beyond Risk and Back. Using animals in recovery, whether it's canine or equine, has become almost standard practice working with adolescents and even working with adults. And talking with my guests off the air, we've even talked about some places that will go as far as giving your teenager a puppy when you go to that treatment center to take care of and ultimately take home with. So it stands to reason that there is a level of success that's taking place with animal-assisted recovery. I found some people who have gone above and beyond just working with dogs and horses. And the concept really intrigues me because they use wolves and wolf dogs. And that's incredible to me because I have had the opportunity in my life and to work with wolves and had the opportunity to have our residents work with wolves, not in a therapeutic manner. And, and I want you to know, parents, that there is nothing that I have ever experienced in 37 years of martial arts and traveling all over the world and, and teaching very aggressive fighting systems to people everywhere. There is nothing I have ever experienced like waking up in the middle of the night in the middle of southern Colorado to a pack of howling wolves. That feeling of fear and pure predatorial, I don't know the word for it, but it chills you at your core. And my guests today have gone to the extent of using wolves and wolf dogs and people in recovery and have put them together. And that's all I know about it. So I brought on Ozzy Cabral, I hope I said his name right, and Marianne McCain from Song of the Wolf Healing Center to talk about this what I believe is very pioneering of doing canine and taking it the whole next step and using wolf and wolf dogs to work with clients. Ozzy and Marianne, thank you so much for being here, you guys. I'm happy you're here, and I'm very excited to learn more about this. Yeah, hi. Thanks for having us. We're excited to be on your podcast. Yes, we are. All right, let's get right to it. A question that I think uh, many parents are going to have as they consider the idea of their kids working with wolves and wolf dogs. Are you guys out of your minds? Like, what's going on here? <laughs> right. Yeah, I think traditionally people have seen wolves and wolf dogs as aggressive, fearful animals. I think it starts from 
childhood when we learn, when we hear about Little Red Riding Hood and the Big Bad Wolf and, you know, all of that folklore. So I think it's really switching what we've been taught to what actually is in our minds. What actually is there with wolves and wolf dogs? What are we, what is actually there that you guys are leveraging to do this work? Well, I think, I mean, that's, there's a, there's a lot of answers to that, that question or a lot of parts to that question. I can tell you a little bit about wolf and wolf dog temperament. So wolves tend to be very shy, timid, uh, fearful animals. I, I mean, if you really think about campers, hikers, you know, if you see a wolf in the wild, Consider that a blessing. Consider yourself lucky that you actually got to see one. When wolves hear humans, their natural instinct is to stay away from humans, to run, to hide. So they really don't want anything to do with us. And, you know, in working with wolf dogs, and, and Marianne can speak more about working with, with uh, wolves, they have this kind of timid fearfulness. They're more afraid of us than than we are of them, really. And, and so um, it's a big misperception uh, or misconception of what we have in regards to these vicious animals. And even looking at um, wolf attacks, right, there's really not many documented cases, and you don't hear in the news about these wolves coming down the mountains attacking people. It's just something that doesn't doesn't happen. That's not in their nature. You know, I, I want to make sure that in our conversation we stay away from the whether or not wolves should be hunted, what they do to people's livestock, because quite frankly, they're an essential part of Mother Nature and the ecosystem. So I right. want to get back into if these animals are so shy and perceived aggressive and many people who try to raise a wolf dog for the cool factor or whatever end up giving their wolf dogs away to a place like right. yours because they can't handle the aggressive nature or that wild side where where is the gift in putting a person who's struggling with mental health issues or addiction in with this shy timid and potentially aggressive creature Right. Okay. So let me, there's two parts to that. The first one is um, a lot of people surrender their, their wolf dogs um, because they realize, so many people get, get wolf dogs um, and different content of wolf dogs. Me, I think mainly for ego and status, right? It seems really cool and it seems something just seems very um, mystical about owning an animal that has wolf in it. And so people tend to get these animals for the wrong reasons. And then they take them home and realize they need a lot of exercise. I mean, you know, wolves and wolf dogs roam. They run. They need a lot of exercise. They can't be cooped up in a, in a, in a house. And depending on the content, the higher the, the wolf content, the more independent they are. So, you know, people expect these animals to act like dogs. They come home and this dog is going to come jumping on them and on their lap and, and, they're smarter than, than the regular dogs. So they're very independent and, and um, tend to be loners. And so they don't get the animal that they want and they don't have the time that you have to dedicate to these animals. So they become surrendered. A lot of aggressive animals will be, it's really the owner, right? We know that with like pit bulls, it's not necessarily the breed. It's the way that they're raised. And so many of these animals become caged, tend to be on, um, uh, chained up, that sort of stuff. And so they, they become neglected, abused, not a lot of uh, social interaction. So this is, it's not the animal's fault. It, it becomes the, the human that wanted this animal. So there's that piece. 
And then, you know, so they come to us in different forms of abuse and different forms of neglect or just being surrendered and very social. There are a lot of wolf dogs that are very social animals. And, and that's what we have to do, Marianne and I and, and, you know, John in our work is separate which ones are socialized and which ones need more socialization. We work with that. For someone with mental health and addiction issues, I mean, like you said in the beginning, there's something very spiritual about listening to that howl or sitting in, in, um, in a containment area with a wolf or a wolf dog, right? There's a lot of, there's a big kind of push in meditation in, um, in treatment now, right? And many treatment centers want some sort of meditation, mindfulness. Think about that of walking in and working through anxiety, fear, and remaining open, that open slate where you have to learn. It takes us to that kind of primal level where, you know, we just need to learn and be and sit with this animal and let the animal teach us. And seeing that this animal has gone through a lot of abuse, neglect, and can still circle around you and somehow figure out how to trust you, um, you get to learn that, hey, I, I can do the same thing. Marianne, is there any big difference in working with, you know, wolf dogs and full wolves? And when you guys, and I know currently you have wolf dogs, but when you are working with wolves and a client, is there any different tactic that you have to take than with a regular wolf dog? Or is it the same across the board? I think there's no way to really that you have to watch an animal. Animals are like people. They have different personalities. My experience working with wolf dogs is depending on how they were raised, how much abuse they've had, they're going to be a little bit more aggressive because they have dog in them. But that's not across the board. So working with a real wolf, which I've done for years out at uh, the Wolf Sanctuary in Laporte. I know the uh, CEO very well. For six years, I took young addicts, some in their teens to their late 20s. I used to take them out to the Wolf Sanctuary every week. And the wolves that the Wolf Sanctuary rescued out there, I also lived there. They were, most of them were abused. I have many stories, and I'll try to pull some of those up. There was one particular, Akira, who was a gray wolf. She was beaten with a baseball bat. She was burned with cigarettes, and she was she was bought by a registered nurse and kept in an apartment. So as she got older, she would try to escape. So she broke her leg several times trying to jump out of the apartment. She was brought to the wolf sanctuary, and Akira had a horrible jaw issue because the vet thought that a bat had been taken to her. And so in working with Akira and young women, she was a female wolf. You would think that she would be terrified of people, but it was the opposite with her. So they have different personalities, but I can tell you many stories of women that would sit with Akira. And Akira was very, she was an alpha, and she would rub all over them. And because of her abuse issues, she sensed abuse issues in women. So I'm talking about women that have been sexually abused, you know, horrific abuse histories. And I've seen young women sit in that enclosure, and I've seen Akira lay on them, lick them, and for hours while they cried. And there's no amount of a human therapist that could help do that like an animal. One of the things that 
you know, it, it's what you're alluding to. And it's one of the things that, that I find so incredible about animal assisted therapy, whether it's equine or canine and now wolves apparently, cause you guys are crazy, but this is, this is, it, it has, we are. It has that magical, mystical side. I remember first time, and and I heard about you know equine therapy, and I was like, whatever. This sounds so woo woo. This sounds so, you know, whatever. And I and I ended up, and they brought me up to this gigantic stallion, and they were like, just get on its back. And I climbed up there, and no saddle, no nothing. And they said, hold on to his mane, and I held on. And they said, what do you feel? What does the horse want to do? I said, it just wants to run. It just wants to run. And she opened the gate to the field and she goes, kind of feel like your life. And I was like, I feel held back everywhere I turn. I just want to run with my ideas and my heart. And I no sooner said that, but this horse took off and I'm racing through this pasture and at, at top speed, my only experience with a horse prior to that is being chased by one when I was nine. <laughs> and so I have this feeling of terror and overwhelm, excitement and freedom. I got tears streaming down my face and this horse completely took care of me and gave me my first experience of absolute freedom in working right. with wolves. I sat down and had these sat down inside this pen with these wolves and they're looking at me wondering whether I was going to eat them or they were going to eat me. Like when you talk about (laughs) primal experience and that's when the guy said, now you need to look them in the eye and show them your teeth. And I'm like, are you crazy? Like this thing is a wolf. Like I woke me up at the middle of the night talking about how yummy I smell. And I showed them my teeth. I looked them in the eye and show them my teeth. This wolf came right up to my face. I'm nose to nose with this wolf. And he started licking my teeth. And yep. they said, you're in charge now. And I yep. realized that my leadership came from just being present, not from me shouting yep. at an animal or telling an employee what to do, but, but, but just being Aaron. And what you guys are talking about is you're talking about the nervous system. You're talking about regulating the nervous system that when you walk in with wolves, right. if you're anxious, if you're depressed, they're not going to follow. But if you can tap mm-hmm. into that relaxed, present, almost meditative space, you know, so when you're saying that the women were just laying there crying, they were just being with their pain. And this wolf understood and she was nurturing. <laughs> Humans can't do this. I can't. If, if, if a therapist starts licking no. my face, we got a problem. <laughs> yeah, right. It's a lawsuit, I think. You need to call somebody. <laughs> So, you know, uh, what, what you're talking about, too, is there's a book out there that I read years ago, years ago. It's called It's Not About the Horse, and you've probably read it. It's about overcoming fear and self-doubt. And that's the same thing that you're talking about is when we go into enclosures, you have to overcome fear and self-doubt. And think about mental health and addictions. It's just riddled with fear and self-doubt. And addiction tells us not to hope and trust. It tells us not to trust anybody, that we have the answers for ourselves, that we will be, that we can't be vulnerable because we'll be taken advantage of or we won't get what we want. So this, the disease of addiction creates all of these behaviors and thought processes. And it says, don't, don't hope because, you know, everything sucks and nothing's going to go your way. And so, and I think hope and trust are two 
of the most important things that human beings do is to just trust and to hope. And so you go into this enclosure and you have to overcome that fear and self-doubt and you have to trust that process because here you are now with this animal that you've been told is one of the most vicious, aggressive animals. And this animal is just looking at you and you have to trust in a whole different way. You have to overcome all of that fear and really that's self-esteem that's becoming, you know, becoming that leader, tapping into that leadership that we all have and really putting different characteristics to ourselves. So all of that is huge. That's what happens. And the more interaction that, that you have with these animals, the more that that's ingrained. And we want all people with mental health and addictions to tap into that, that inner strength that they have to move forward. Now, you can, you know, you have the ability to have some self-esteem and self-love and some integrity to say, I need to live differently. And you take that out of the enclosure into life. I want to expand on what Ozzy said. What he stated is, is that we've looked at, they've been told that these animals are aggressive and that they're dangerous. So has the mentally ill and addict person been told that. Right. They're sitting in an enclosure with an animal who also has the same bad rap so to speak. And so there's no, there, there's nothing for them to do except sit with that. And it's, it's, it's unconscious. It's not something that anybody's, you know, the addict or the mentally ill person is not relating to that until you bring that up, you know, until you say, until you talk to them about that, as far as the, the bad rap the wolf has had. Well, so and, you. and that's one of the things about you know, animal assisted therapy in, in any form is that these animals have an ability to take the internal process and externalize it so you can see it outside of yourself so that you can go, holy crap, what this horse is doing is what I'm doing or what this horse wants, I want or what this dog needs, I need. And this dog is giving it to me and now I can give it back to the dog because, you know, there's, there's an exchange taking place and that's the uncanny nature. And again, it brings me back to, you guys have said, well, wait a second, mental health issues and addiction issues, this is the shadow side. This is the wild side. This is the uncontrolled <laughs> nature. And you're allowing animals that either live or are perceived to be that, again, externalize the experience for people who have done nothing but internalize their pain, suffering. Marianne, I heard you say that the self, the loathing, uh, you know, the self-doubt, overcoming fear, these animals have to do this stuff as well. And they're externalizing right. the patient's experience. Right. And it's also as people with addiction and mental health issues are very impulsive. And again, that stems from fear and shame and all of that stuff. And so this is also teaching you impulse control, right? You don't react. You sit still and you learn how to communicate differently. So these animals are strong communicators and they'll teach us how to communicate or how to pay attention to what we're doing with our bodies, what we're displaying, you know. Um, Give an example how of to that. What, what do you mean? Language of their own. Well, they're teaching us how to be respectful, how to um, set boundaries, right, how to interact differently with each other. And, you know, they also teach us a lot about forgiveness. Like Marianne said, you know, that uh, story of the wolf or these animals that come that are neglected or abused or surrendered. They teach us to forgive and to move forward, yeah. you know. So it's a whole, there's so many lessons in this. I think the difference with us is that we do that, we, we're adding that therapeutic 
piece to it where we talk about it. We have some therapeutic exercises, that sort of stuff, versus other rescues and sanctuaries will let people come in and volunteer and kind of just sit there. But we need to really talk about what's going on and what's the process and what are we learning and which animal do you relate to, and let's talk about that. So really bringing in those two worlds and and having a really rewarding, rich experience that therapeutically just is ingrained, is connected in your soul. Let's go back to the communication piece real quick, because I'm very intrigued by that. How do you, to a wolf, and, and it makes sense that if you can communicate to a wolf, boundaries, then you can suddenly communicate to your parents or to your teenager or to a boyfriend or a girlfriend who might be violating the boundaries, who might, and and violation of boundaries can come in the form of aggression or enabling. So there's, so how, when you talked about communicating and that wolves are excellent communicators, how would a person communicate with their body to a wolf? I got a boundary there. Don't do that. What have you seen? I can tell you a few examples. One is when you're walking in an enclosure and the animals are getting a little anxious because they wonder what you're doing in their space, if you wave your arm gently around you, just gently around you in a circle, they know that that's your space and they're not going to run up to you. The other piece is, is if you're sitting in an enclosure and an animal comes up to you and, you know, starts you were licking you and you're uncomfortable with that, it's simple. You stand up. Well, think about those two words. Hmm. You physically stand up and the animal will run from you because what you're telling that animal is you're too close, okay? If you go at an animal, they're going to give you, a wolf's going to give you many different signs you're too close or I don't like what you're doing. You're either going to, they're going to chuff at you. A lot of times, you know, wolves don't bark. They're going to chuff at you, okay, and they're going to let you know. Their tail is going to go straight out. You know, the hair on the back of their neck is going to stand up. They're going to give some verbal expressions, okay? So when that gentleman asked you to bare your teeth, you were communicating with that wolf, okay? That's a boundary. You're saying it's okay to come closer. So there's so many, there's thousands of those things that happen in a five-minute period in an enclosure with a wolf. So you're saying that, that makes sense? I, it does, it, it does to me. And what I want to, what I want to offer parents is that what, what I'm hearing you say is that when you swing your arms around in a circle and saying, this is my space, what you're doing and what you're teaching the client is first you have to establish that you have space, that you exist and you Boundary. do that. That you, you do that physically. You actually put your arms out and say, these are my 18 inches. This is my safety bubble. No one comes in here. And the wolves respond in respect. And when you feel respected, you relax, which allows the wolves then to say, oh, they're in charge, which is something we can take into the real world. The second thing is if the wolf is violating your space, you stand up. To me, that's how you teach a client to take a stand. To set a boundary. Exactly. Yeah, and, exactly. and when they can walk out and there their boss is becoming abusive again and they've come to you because they don't feel like they have boundaries and they have no psychic boundaries. And now all of a sudden they have, they can set boundaries with wolves. This boss is suddenly <laughs> not a wolf. They're yeah. just an honorary human being with their own pain and suffering and you take a stand because you can do it. That's what I'm hearing. Right. They've dealt, right, they've dealt with stronger 
beings, right, with stronger um, uh, animals than, yes. than the boss. Yes. How fast does this work happen? How how much faster than traditional sit on the couch and talk about your feelings therapy do these lessons take place? Or is it not faster? Is it slower? You know, it, it really depends on the individual and where they're at. And, you know, you get some kids that will come in and are hard-headed and stubborn and, you know, just want to screw off. And, and it's the process, you know, because ever, they come in and they want to connect with the animals and they want the animal to come to them because they see the animals coming to others and the animal will stay away. So they have to learn, I've got to change my behavior. I've got to change my presentation. And, you know, that might be tough. They've got to let go of the image that they have. They've got to let go of the fears that they have to look vulnerable. They've got to let go of all of that stuff. So now in that interaction with this, this animal and you wanting the animal to come to you, because who doesn't want to pet a wolf, right? <laughs> um, and, and so, so you have to change your presentation. So for some, they're ready. And for others, it's going to take a bit. They have too many walls up. They have too many fears. They have the, t- too many fears of being vulnerable. At some point, though, you continue it, and it happens. Tom I mean, Brown, it really happens. Yeah, Tom Brown Jr. talks about, you know, the, the outdoor survival kind of specialist guy. Yeah. He talked about a, an old uh, Native American way of teaching called, you know, coyote teaching. I employ it when I teach outdoor survival lessons to kids where you allow the kids to do it wrong and continue doing it wrong and you let nature teach. And for example, they're trying to do a bow drill or a fire plow with pine and that's next to impossible. It's, It's just too soft of wood, but you don't tell them. You just let them go and you let them struggle and you let them sweat it. And then they say it can't be done and you hand them a different kind of wood and they're able to pull a punk really, really fast. My assumption is wolves are probably pretty quick teachers, but because there's a wild nature to it, how much do you guys teach and how much do you let the wolf teach? In my experience with that, I'll tell this story and I think that this, makes sense. I worked with a young 23-year-old young man from New York who was in a gang. And I took him to the wolf sanctuary. And this kid couldn't sit still. Between cocaine and whatever he could get his hands on, he couldn't sit still. He locked eyes with a male wolf named Spirit. Spirit was an incredible animal because he would just sit and stare at you. He would come down when he wanted to. For six weeks, I took this young man out there, and for some reason, he could not, the obsession in him, he would go and sit in that enclosure for two hours at a time. And I think it was about the sixth week, Spirit came up and licked him in the face and scent rubbed him. And this kid, something shifted in him because he thought he was an alpha. He thought he was an alpha male until he found that No, I don't even know what leadership is. I don't even know what alpha means as a young male. So maybe that answers a little bit of that question. You have to, I think we orient them, right, and talk to them about the process. Then let the animal teach them. They're going to be sitting there, you know, going through their fears, going through their vulnerabilities, um, learning new skills, learning respect, learning boundaries. And, you know, we just guide them through that and, and talk about what's happening. So we're kind of the narrators there. 
then we talk about it, you know, you have to post hash or you have to talk about what was that experience afterwards. So I think it's a blending of the two that that interaction with the animal is unique in its own to the, to each individual. We just help them understand what's happening. So we're there with them through the process. And then there's those teaching points, right? Every moment is a teaching point. Even when they say, what's the animal doing now? Or what should I do? You know, they're all teaching points. You're just there to guide. Then you really break it down at the end and how and how it applies and what you've learned and where's your strengths at now and, and what needs to change and, and how did this, you know, interaction, how was it similar to your family system? How is it similar to the way you interact with others or that others interact with you? Do others stay away from you? Do Are others distrustful now? Because in in addiction, we teach people to look at us as, manipulators, liars, deceitful, dishonest. And then when they treat us that way, we get mad at them for treating us that way. When we really set that system up. So now it's, okay, you know, how did this wolf interact with me? What was the fear? What was the um, them kind of distrust? And how do I have to apply that, not just with the animals, but in all areas of my life, right? Practice this in, in every area of my life. So it's a blending of the two. You guys are relatively new to the ownership of your own facility and of uh, wolf dogs and wolves. You you've both worked with them for a long time, but this is, is this both your kind of first, you know, rodeo as far as running your own business and creating and pioneering this uh, therapeutic assist with these animals? Yeah. How far along are yeah. you? So, yeah. So Marianne and I have both been working with mental health and addictions. Marianne's been working with mental health and addictions since the 70s. 30 years. 30 years, and I have been in the field um, with various populations since 2002. So we have a lot of education under our belt with that, therapeutic um, interventions. I've owned wolf dogs throughout my life. Marianne has worked with them for a long time, and and so we... met and realized that we both have a passion for healing that human-animal bond and healing people. And I think when you heal that human-animal bond, not you also bring people back to, to Mother Earth, right, to what's important. So there's there's that other piece to it. And, and so we both realized that we had this passion and decided to move forward on this. We're going slow. Mary and I are both broke and don't have much money like many <laughs> People who start organizations. We're, we're licensed therapists. Right. We work. So, so it's, yes. Yeah, so this is our first, um, go at a rescue. And, um, we got property in Bailey about a year ago. Yes, one year ago. And got our 501c3. So we're a nonprofit organization and moved some animals up there. We have two animals. Uh, at this time, and we moved them, we got them to the property probably two months ago, probably about two months ago, and wow. so we're having people come down and, and visit and that sort of stuff, but, you know, we have a passion for this, we want to bring all of our experiences, all of our education, all of our hopes, and our love of people and humans and Mother Earth, so we're excited to, to move forward on this, we've gotten 
The people that have came to visit and have sat with us are excited. We have a lot of support and it just it does come down to money, unfortunately. You know, we're trying to get a second enclosure built to bring some more animals. And, you know, we want to have our first kind of big fundraiser March or April and then, you know, move forward from there. There's a lot of animals that need to be saved and there's a lot of humans that need to be saved. And, and we're ready to, to get going on that work. I was going to ask, are there more animals than resources or more resources than animals? There's more animals than resources. Yeah, unfortunately. You know, once you start this kind of work, you're going to get, when you hook up with other sanctuaries, you want to work in collaboration with everybody so that the animal gets placed in the right facility. And unfortunately, there's not enough of that. And and you have to assess the animal. Could the animal be in a home? You know, does it have more dog in it? And who are the ones that really need people like us, you know, to be able to live out their lives since they cannot live in the wild? The two dogs that you're starting with, where did they come from? I actually lived with them since they were about four weeks old. Oh, wow. Um, and they came from Missouri. And so one of them is, is socialized and another one is a higher content animal. And she is very cautious of humans. Talk about what you've learned from that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, they um, they grew up with people, and that's how we started it. Do you have any dogs on deck right now that you're kind of rushing to create space for? Well, there's so many out there that need saving that we do want to. We're always in a, in a hurry. I think you know we really want to. There's animals with higher content wolf in them will get euthanized yes. quickly and so there's a lot of animals out there that you know we get emails of abused animals animals in crates that have not you know been out of their crates for years that um, are being neglected and unfortunately you know there's not enough space in, in many um, sanctuaries for them and so um, a lot of these animals are getting euthanized there's a lot of pure wolves that come from from Canada or from breeders that are selling them as wolf dogs and, you know, they end up getting euthanized. Or there was a few years ago, there was a fraternity and I, I can't remember which one it was, but there was a fraternity that got a wolf dog. They, it was a group of kids who wanted to look cool that they had a wolf in their, their fraternity. Of course, they, none of them walked it. None of them, they wanted to keep it in, indoors. They didn't give it the exercise it needed or the proper nutrition because that's another thing, right? Kibble, and that food, dog food, is just filler, basically. You really need a proper nutrition for these animals. And we know that nutrition is connected to the, the mind and the body Metabolism, yeah. for, for humans as well. So nutrition is really important in health and happiness. And so this dog uh, or this animal was not being properly taken care of, and they surrendered it, and it was euthanized. So there's stories like that. We, you know, we have enough land to um, to get these enclosures going. We we don't want to get too big like other sanctuaries. We want to have, you know, um, anywhere between eight to twelve animals, twelve animals at, at the most, so that we can really work with humans and and keep those animals. So our criteria is that they really need to have at least a high content um, wolf dog, so at least eighty percent or more, seventy five percent or more. Anything that can be adopted out, which there are some low contents, 20%, 30%, that make the do, they make, they, they make good pets. They're very loyal. They're very connected. 
and you know they just have to you just have to be in legal areas to have these animals so they're not taken from you and it's really all about socialization and that connection so yeah that's a long round way uh, way to say that um there's a lot of animals out there being being killed. There's wolves that come from Hollywood movies as well. Hollywood will use a, a wolf for a movie and then surrender it. Exactly. And there's a lot of there's there's been zoos that have closed down and just left their animals sitting there. And many sanctuaries have had to run into those zoos and, and, and pull animals out. And and a lot of Hollywood wolves that you see are actually high content wolf dogs, not pures. So yeah, and then they surrender them. They don't need them anymore. It's just really sad. It's not the animal's fault. It's the human that keeps that abuse going. Someone who's listening who either has something or knows someone who has something to give you to support you guys in this process, what is it that you need to build and grow, be able to take more dogs, increase your clientele? I mean, obviously, you're a 501c3. Money is always welcome. Fundraising yeah. is a big part of your work. But what else? If if someone doesn't have money, can they give you time if they've got old dog crates, like if, if they make dog beds? Like, what is it that people can support you with? Yeah, I mean, we'll take crates. You know, there's always um, transportation when we're out. We're going on a, a call to save an animal. We need crates, food, food meat. You know, if somebody's cleaning out their fridge and there's a lot of old meat, give it to us. Um, tools. Tools. Anything. Yeah. Time. Time. Come out. Yep. Tools, time, fencing, posts, firewood. I, you know, we'll take all of that. I mean, we, we need it and we'll put it to good use. And, and time. Come out. Visit us. Come meet us. Um, come hang out at the property and, and, and just sit there and see, feel that, that, healing presence that's there so i'm going to uh, today when i head over to the facility to teach the kids i'm going to talk with meg who's our volunteer coordinator about contacting you guys and setting us up every sunday our kids do volunteer projects so i want them to come down with you guys now because bailey's a drive oh, awesome. but it's not it's you know we can we can leave early in the morning and come back late at night these kids are these kids can handle that just fine especially if they get to see and interact with uh yes dogs. oh we we would love that, and we'll buy a pizza. <laughs> <laughs> Our kids aren't allowed to have dairy or wheat, so thanks anyway. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, never mind. <laughs> we'll get you a salad. Hey, tell, hey, tell me uh, and tell the listeners how people can find you, how they can get in touch with you, because I'm also assuming that you guys are taking clients. Yes. You can go to our Facebook page, Song of the Wolf Healing Center, like us. You'll see our, our um, progress and um, all of our updates. There's a donation tab there to donate through either um, GoFundMe or PayPal. You can contact myself or Marianne. Um, is it okay to say my number? Absolutely. Here? So my number, 720-636-3896. Again, that's 720-636-3896. And Marianne? My uh, cell phone number is... 303-818-6696. And we also have an email. It's songofthewolf16 at gmail.com. Again, that's songofthewolf16 at gmail.com. Tell me where you guys are going with this. What is, I mean, obviously you have passion. Obviously you have experience, not only with wolves and wolf dogs, but with addictions, adolescents, young adults, and recovery. You've put together 
this wonderful relationship of skill and experience. What's the mission behind everything you're doing? What's the, what's this overwhelming thing that's getting you out of bed each day? Number one, education. Education. I don't think you can have a rescue or a sanctuary without educating people about wolves and about how important they are to the ecosystem. So education is primary. Second of all, where are we going with this? Wherever the universe takes us. I have a lot of dreams of working with families, with working with, I'd love to see elders come down from the reservations because many of these elders who lived on this planet never have seen a wolf. So I would love diversity, the minority people to be able to come out and heal and and discover what their gifts are because some of them are lost. I'd also like to work with veterans. I think that's important for PTSD. There's several programs with that. So wherever the universe takes us, I mean, I'm open. Ozzy and I are both open to wherever this takes us. And I would love to go and do, I would like Ozzy primarily to go and do presentations about what we're doing. And I'm not just talking about in this country, all over. Yeah. I I think um, at the core that the universe is going to lead us to, to where we are going. But at the core is to... Have this be a healing center for all. You know, we just want to heal the human, the animal, the human-animal bond, bring them back to recognize that there's a wolf nation out there, that there's a wolf-dog nation out there, that we're, we're humans, we're, we're animals, and we want to reconnect to Mother Earth. They taught you know, us a so, lot. So it's just this, we just want this to be this sacred place that someone can come and heal. It's just a healing center for everyone. And then that just branched out into whatever. We have a lot of faith in, in the universe, higher power, and that will direct us. I love this concept. I want our parents, teachers, and clinicians that are listening to head over to their Facebook page, Song of the Wolf Healing Center. Give them a like at the very least. Give them a donation at the very best. And if you can't donate money or some supplies, donate some time. Take your kids down there. Get this education piece going. I have had the opportunity to work with wolves. The kids at our facilities have had the opportunities to work with wolves. It is a life changing experience, not just listening to them howl and feel the chill in your blood, but being in there with these animals, being around these animals, watching them interact and taking those lessons right into your everyday. It's powerful, powerful stuff. It's beyond the woo-woo. It goes back to very, very primal experiences. Ozzy, Marianne, I'm really in with you guys on this. I'm going to get our volunteer coordinator going to contact you guys. Thank you for your, Thank your you. time today. This was awesome. I love this. Thank you. Thank you so much. We love it, too. We love talking about it. And just thank you. We're very appreciative. Great. Okay, you guys. Well, I'm I'm wishing you all the love and luck in your mission and vision, your passion and your purpose. Parents, you know the mantra. I say it every time. I'm going to say it again. You take care of yourself first. You take care of your adult relationship second. And you take care of your children third. Because in that way, we have the ability to do the best work with our kids. I want to, as always, give thanks to the team at Mental Health News Radio. And I will see you next time on Beyond Risk and Back. Thanks for listening. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Beyond Risk and Back. Join us each week for your connection to experts in adolescent health and wellness, recovery, and responsibility, and also to listen to teens talk about their lives in crisis. 
For more information on our program for struggling teens or me, please go to firemountainprograms.com, join us on Facebook at Fire Mountain Residential Treatment Center, or at Beyond Risk and Back. Visit our YouTube channel at Fire Mountain RTC for even more support with our parent training videos. Special thanks to Mental Health News Radio for their continued love and support of our program. Please go to mentalhealthnewsradio.com to see all of their podcasts. Feel free to email me at Aaron at firemountainprograms.com. <laughs>